The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Well, good morning, Tower View. Good morning, all who are watching and listening this morning. How are you today? How are you reading me? Can you see me? Can you hear me? I assume such things. Technology is grand when it works. All right. You can see I am from Tower View Baptist Church. I have one comment. Good morning, Judy. This is your Sunday School lesson from Tower View Baptist Church. You can find out more about us at visiting our website, towerviewkc.com. You can see our web page or a phone number there. I'll talk about more about that later. Let's see. What else? Who am I? I don't know. I don't know who I am. Yeah, I do know who I am sometimes. Um, I'm Associate Pastor Nelson Nisley with Tower View. And we are continuing our lesson on the book in the book of Job. This is the last session on the book of Job. Good morning, Darren. Good morning, Shirley and Don. Let's see who else is on here. I know more will join us as the minutes tick by. So it's a beautiful day today as we continue with our study. Let's start with a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all the blessings that you give us. Help us to be your servants as we study your word. Help us to be your servants as we read, as we talk about your word, as we live our lives, whether we are at home, whether we are at the store, driving, work, wherever we may be. Help us to be your servants in each and every area of our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, we are in the book of Job this morning. The last chapter of the book of Job. Job chapter 42. Uh, Let's see. So, I see more people are jumping in. We should be up to a million views any minute now, or maybe a few less than that. So, we are in the book of Job, Job 42, the last chapter of the book of Job. So chapters 38 to 41 that we looked at last week was the words of God, mostly, with with one place where Job interjects. Chapter 42, God is then talking and Job replies. So really it kind of goes with 41, it mostly goes with 41 because it goes with what God was saying. So remember, as we've went through the book of Job, numerous times Job said, I want to talk to God. I want to tell God personally what's going on. And God answered his prayer. If somebody asked to pray that right now, we'd probably say, well, that's a a useless prayer. God ain't going to do that to you. You know, if if you want to hear God's voice, read the scriptures out loud. And and there's, there's much truth in that. 
when Job was was living in such scriptures as we know it didn't exist. I don't know if anything was written down at all in Job's time. It was uh, more than likely before the time of Moses, so it was before what we now call the the Torah, the, the Pentateuch of the scripture, the first five books. Was anything from the events of Genesis to Noah written down for Job? I don't know. We don't know if there was any form of that written down. Um, were there any other things that was considered scripture? I don't know. We we have no information on that. So Job wanted to talk to God, and God granted his request. But if, as you read through God's word and God's um, answer to Job, Job didn't get to say anything. Job didn't get to ask any questions. He didn't need to. God already, I mean, he already asked, God already knew the questions. But God's answers really doesn't answer what Job was complaining about. Job was complaining that the, the, the uh, sinful people aren't punished and that the righteous people are, like himself. And God really didn't address that. God just talked about how much bigger he is. And how he has the whole world. He's created the whole world. He directs creation, everything about creation, from the earth and the sun and the stars to the wild animals, even the largest, most ferocious of the wild animals that are even too big for humans to deal with. They're, they're nothing to him. God created them all. And Job gets the point. It's like, what is the point? Well, let's, let's see what Job says. So in Job 42, starting in verse 1, um, I'm just looking to see if we got any comments or questions here. Um, all right. Um, in Job 42, starting in verse 1, Then Job replied to the Lord, and that's once again Yahweh. Job replied to Yahweh, I know that you can do anything, and no, plans of your, no plan of yours can be thwarted. And so the first thing he says is realize that all the things that happened to Job is because God planned it. It's, it's from God's point of view, from God. And Job mentioned that way back at the beginning. He says, so should we only accept good from God and not adversity? And, and Job, here's replying, it doesn't matter. God's plan happens. We're not going to stop it. Verse 3. Job is talking, continue to talk. You ask, and so he's talking about God. God asked Job, who is this who, count, who conceals my counsel with ignorance? Job replies, surely I spoke about things I do not understand, things too wondrous for me to know. Verse 4, you said, listen now and I will speak. When I question you, you will inform me. Job replies, I have heard reports about you. But now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I reject my words and am sorry for them. I am dust and ashes. So God had asked Job, you know, who, who's coming out of ignorance, darkens my counsel, who, who has given me bad advice? And Job realized that he was speaking about things he didn't understand. Even so, he was in pain and misery. He was realizing he was talking about things he didn't understand. 
He doesn't know what's going on in the whole world. He didn't know. How do you know what's happening to you isn't for some greater, how God's going to use that to show his word to others? And that what happens to one person affects others. And how you respond, and when you respond in a godly way, how that is a witness to others, whether you meant it to be or not. Think about the things that happen in your life, both good and bad. Just go back and look, survey your life. And how many bad things that happened to you turned out to be a blessing in disguise. And so Job says, I spoke about things that I don't understand. Because we don't know what the future holds. The things that we're, going, we're doing today, how does that affect our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren? even if we're not around to see it. How do you know the things that your parents did and your grandparents did, how was that affected by your great-grandparents? We don't know. In Job, in verse 5, he says, I heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. So somehow he saw God. He doesn't say what he saw. He doesn't describe God. He doesn't describe the, where he was, how the encounter happened, nothing. We just know that God and Job spoke face to face. And how does Job respond to that? He says, I reject my words and I'm sorry for them. That's called repentance. Some versions will say, I repent. And re- rejecting what you've done wrong and being sorry for them, is a definition of repentance. And he says, I'm dust and ashes. Which is what our bodies turn into after we die. Sometimes we aid that by cremation. But even as if we don't, even, even as the mummies of Egypt, even though they're thousands of years old, they're still on their way to becoming dust and ashes, even though they haven't got there yet. And so Job re- realizes all the words that he's been saying, even though um, he's been saying he, he, he's been misrepresenting God to some extent. But then God doesn't stop there. So Job repents. God speaks, Job repents of his attitude that he's had towards God. But then God doesn't stop with talking to Job. He talks to Eliphaz, one of the three friends, the first of the three friends to speak. And so in verse 7, it says, After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite. So God spoke to Eliphaz. What did God tell him? He says, I am angry with you, you and your two friends, for you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. Then my servant Job will pray for you. I will surely accept his prayers and deal with you as your folly deserves, for you have not spoken the truth about me and my servant Job has. 
wow, this changes things. So Job, reading what God spoke to Job and how Job responds, it's like Job was way off base. If you read that, Job was just completely out in far left field. He was in foul territory. But then we see that God speaks to Eliphaz, and he says he is angry with Eliphaz and his friends. He just says his two friends. He doesn't mention Elihu, the, the, the fourth guy to speak. Nothing's mentioned about him one way or the other. He says he's angry with you and your two because you have not spoken the truth about me. They were even more off base than Job. And God was angry with them. It doesn't say that God was angry with Job. It kind of sounds angry the way God answers, but it doesn't say he was angry. But here he says he is angry with Eliphaz. When God's angry, it's not a petty angry that we are. It's like, man, the restaurant didn't cook my steak right. Man, what's wrong with them? My food's cold. Why did it take them so long? You know, that's, that's petty stuff. You know, why is this red light so red so long? You know, that's, that's petty stuff. That's whining. God's angry. It's a righteous anger. He's angry because of sin, some of, of unrighteousness. And so he's angry with the two, three friends because they didn't speak the truth about God. So when you go back, and so Job is really a book that you need to read the ending to understand the middle. So as you go from chapter 3 verse to, to 37, and you're reading everything, you need to really read the end of the book so you understand what's going on. So Job's three friends didn't understand God, and God was angry with them. So when you go back and read their words, you're realizing they're not speaking the things of God. They're, they're missing the boat. They get some nuggets right, but their heart's wrong. Because they show no compassion to Job, and that's one of Job's complaints. They show no compassion to Job. They show no understanding. So God is upset with them. Job complains to God and says, I don't deserve this. But then you got to remember, Job also said, should we not accept adversity from God also? Is the way we accept good. And he called his wife speaking foolishly. And so Job was trying to understand God. And he didn't get it all right, but he was trying to understand God, but he took his troubles to God. The three friends only talked about God. They didn't take anything to God either at all. They didn't take anything to God. They just thought that they knew it all. And they had no compassion, and God was angry with them. And he told them to take seven bulls and seven rams and go to Job. And offers burnt offerings. Because of the way this is described, it makes it sound like you know the way things happened when Abraham, the things that Abraham did, and Isaac and Jacob, which makes us think that this was before Moses and before the law, before the law was written down. And so Job was like a, his own, a priest in his own house, and it wasn't considered a bad thing. God hadn't revealed the law yet, so things were operating a little bit differently. And he said, then Job will pray for you. So they had to go back, take some humble pie, and go to Job 
and ask him to pray for them and offer sacrifices for themselves. Because they said, I will surely accept his prayer and not deal with you as your folly deserves. So God is being gracious to them. All he is giving them is humble pie. And to their credit, the three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, verse 8 9, then Eliphaz the Temanite, Beldad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite, went and did as the Lord had told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Didn't say it's their prayer, but Job's prayer. And so, to their credit, they did as God asked, and they ate the humble pie. They sought forgiveness. Doesn't say what they learned, but they, they did as God directed. They didn't reject God. They learned. And then verse 30, or verse 10, I'm sorry. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and doubled his previous possessions. All his brothers, sisters, and former acquaintance came to him and dined with him in his house. They sympathized with him and comforted him concerning all the adversity the Lord had brought him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold earring. I don't know if this is the exact order of everything happened. He got his possessions back, then they came and visited him? Or did they come visit him and then he got his possessions back? It, it, Really doesn't matter which order it is. Um, it, it, it would seem to be a show, a, a show of faith if they came to him before and they gave him the the silver and the gold earrings before he regained his wealth. But it doesn't say that. And so in verse twelve, so the Lord blessed the last part of Job's life more than the first. He owned fourteen thousand sheep. And goats, 6,000 camels, and 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. So if you go back and read at the beginning how much he owned, this is double. Everything doubled. Then it says in verse 13, he also had seven sons and three daughters, which is what he had at the beginning. So he had seven more sons and three more daughters. What it doesn't say was, who was the mother? We know from... Abraham's story and Isaac's story and Jacob's story that there were that polygamy was was allowed and, and practiced and so was using concubines. But it doesn't say that. It doesn't say he used he had more than one wife. It doesn't say that he didn't. It's silent on that, which means it doesn't matter. It doesn't say if he got remarried if the first wife died and he got an, had a new wife, or if this. You know, this this same wife, mother, gave birth to all 20 of these kids. It doesn't say that one way or the other. It's silent on that. And then in verse 14, he named his first daughter, daughter Jemima, the second Keziah, and his third Karen Hapok. No woman, no women... No women as beautiful as Job's daughters could be found in all the land, and their father granted them an inheritance with their brothers. So, in a time of uh, a patriarch, you know, uh, being patriarchs and, and, and patriarchs, patriarchy, yeah, however you pronounce that word, 
you know, men dominated a society, we don't get the names of the sons. We get the names of the daughters. And they're spoken about in glowing terms. And they, they received an equal inheritance with their brothers. Usually daughters didn't receive any inheritance. Any inheritance they got was from the, the, whoever they married. Then Job lived, verse 16, Job lived 140 years after this and saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. Then Job died old and full of days. So did Job live 140 years total or 140 years after this part? Good question. Can't tell you. It's, it's, it's kind of ambiguous a little bit. We know that, you know, Abraham, no, Jacob, Jacob lived at, well, Abraham and Jacob, then they'll live about 180 years old-ish. We know some of the, you look at the genealogies after Noah, they, they lived, still some of them lived many hundreds of years. Um, and then the, the age, how, how long they lived gradually went, went down to, so that 70 was considered you know, old age, and that's about the average age of people dying. And so Job was blessed with long, well, either way, Job was blessed with long life. He saw his children to the fourth generation. And Job died in the comfort of his family. One of the things he complained about, that he didn't think he was going to happen when he was, when he was ill. And his, and his children had all died and he lost all his wealth. So the thing that he complained about and said, I'm not going to get to do that because he thought he was dying, God gave him a release. So what do we take from all this? What do we take from the book of Job? It's wisdom literature. Wisdom literature you have to read as a whole, especially Job, Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes. You've got to read those books as a whole. You can't just go verse by verse and take meaning from each verse by itself like you can through Paul's letters, through the Gospels and, and such. These books you've got to take as a whole. You just can't piecemeal them out. So what do we get from this story? What do we get from this account of Job? One, Job, to me, is a real person. There's nothing in here that makes him an allegory or a myth. He was a real person. We don't know exactly when he lived. We, we have some educated guesses, but that's it. But what do we learn about Job? What do we learn about God? We learn about God. We, we learn that there's things happening in heaven in the spiritual realm that we know nothing about. Did Job ever learn what happened? I think he did. I think that's why we have this book, that Job did learn that. And that he was instrumental in writing this book. It doesn't say that. That's just me guessing. But I think Job did eventually learn the truth of what happened in the spiritual world. As part of God's blessing him. But what did we learn about what happened to Job? Remember, Job was saying, you know, should we accept good and not adversity from God? We need to accept both. And that's part of what we need to learn, that we need to accept both good and bad in this world. And that God's in control. 
God's got this. He knows things that we don't. Now, you go back and read what things like, oh, we know those things about the, with the mountain goats and, and, and lions, and, and we know about all those things that God was saying that we don't know about. We know about them now because we can watch, you know, na- you know nature documentaries. But there are still things that we don't know about. What's the smallest particle? Every time we think we find a smallest particle, you know, we thought the atom was the smallest. And we thought the electron and the proton were the smallest. Now we know about quarks and Bose-Higgs and particles. And there's other, we keep finding smaller and smaller particles. How big is, and then in the other end, how big is the universe? We thought quasars were on the edge of the universe. And now we find out quasars really aren't the edge of the universe. The universe is bigger than that. And so we keep finding out more, and we don't. There's still so much we don't know about science, about the world we live in. You know, we we, we kind of know how the sun works, but we really don't know how the sun works. And we can't replicate what the sun does. We're trying, but we've so far not succeeded very well. There's there's so much that we we do, we don't know. And that's just in the natural world, which is what God used to show Job how much God knows and we don't. If God came to us now with the same thing, he, he, he could say, say the same type of things, but it would be different because there's still things he, he knows that we don't. Our world is spinning. It's rotating once every 24 hours by how we count. But did we start it spinning? Can we speed it up? Can we slow it down? No, we can't. And so we know that God is in control. And any good thing that we have is a blessing from God. And really, because of sin, we deserve no good things. So the fact that we have so many good things, we need to count our blessings. Because we deserve none of that. Every good thing that we have is a blessing from God, and it's because of God's grace and mercy. God's grace and mercy alone. And so we really should never have any good thing. We don't deserve any goodness. God should strike us down with a lightning bolt the first time we sin, in which case the human race would have died off millennia ago. But God's grace and mercy didn't didn't do that. So we learn from Job that all blessings come from God. But we also learn from that God's plans aren't our plans. He has bigger plans than us. We're you know I got these glasses on because I'm nearsighted, I'm myopic. If I took these off, I would have a hard time reading the scripture that's right here in front of me. I'd have to put my face way down there. But that's how we live our lives sometimes, that we're so nearsighted. We, we see so little of the world around us. We don't understand God's big plans. I've been in ministry quite a few years now, which kind of boggles my mind. And I think, what have I done in ministry? Well, let's see. I've not written any books. I don't have any TV shows. Um, I have not grown any large institutions, had huge followings in any place I've been. I've been a campus minister. I've been an army chaplain. I've 
pastored a, a small church that we're still small. And I go, God, what have I done? And all he shows me in my mind is pictures of individuals at each of those places. He says, you've touched this person. You've touched that person. You've influenced them. I don't know what that means. I don't know well, what the implications are. But God said, no, it's, that's my plan, at least so far. We don't see that, especially in American terms, we don't see that as a success. Success is big numbers. Success is growing. Success is bringing in more money, more people, more things, having bigger views. You know, you know how, how many people are watching this video right now? You know, what's, what's my crowd is, you know, I, I can see how many people are watching, and I can tell you it's not a big number. But God has a plan. He knows what he's doing. I don't. And that's what we need to do. We learn from Job. God has plans that we don't know about. Our suffering is, 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 is not always about us. It's about the influence. Think about all this. So God went to Eliphaz and his three friends. What did they learn about God in this? How did this change their lives, this encounter with Job and God? How did, how did God turn them more godly through all this, through the humble pie that they had to eat at the end? Think about how much better a, a father Job was the second time around with his ten children. How much a better husband, how much better boss and employer he was to all the servants he hired. How much wiser counsel he had at the city gates when he went to counsel there. After all this, how much Job learned from all this. And how did that affect the world around him for centuries to come? We don't know. It doesn't say, but God knows. And one last note in here, as you, as you read the last, one thing it never says, it never says Job was healed. It's kind of implied that he was healed, but it doesn't say that he was healed. What if Job went through all this blessing and he still had the same malady he had through the conversation with his friends? And God still blessed him with all this other stuff, with children, even though he still had this terrible skin disease. It doesn't say that, but it doesn't say he didn't. Can God use you in spite of whatever's happening to you? Whatever condition you have, weakness that you have. And so as we, you know, as reading the book of Job, God is bigger than us. There is a spiritual warfare happening in heaven that we know nothing about and we can't influence one way or the other. So this conflict that God and Satan had about Job, Job couldn't do a thing about it. He's completely helpless in it, 
completely powerless in it. All he could do was control his own reactions to it and continue following God in spite of it. And that's all we can do with our lives. We continue going on in spite of whatever is happening around us. And that's what I pray that you do. That's my prayer for you. Continuing following God in spite of anything that's happened around you. The good and the bad. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for your blessings. We thank you for all that you provide. These verses, this section of Scripture seems to come at an appropriate time in our church's life right now. With the death of Judy, Lord, we just pray that we can continue to serve you no matter what. In spite of our pain that we have, in spite of missing her, her as a person, but missing all the things that she did. All the things that got done because of her. Now we have to figure out new ways to do things. Other people have to step up. We don't know what that's going to look like. But help us to turn to you no matter what. Help us to follow you no matter what. To accept not only the blessings, but the adversity that comes our way. Because we don't know what battles are being fought in heaven. We don't know how our actions are going to affect others in the church and others around the church, our families, our co-workers. But help us to follow you to the best of our ability every single day. If that means eating some humble pie like Eliphaz had to, then so be it. Help us to repent. Help us to repent as Job did for the things that we've sinned, things that we've said out of pride and arrogance. Because we are just nothing but dust and ashes compared to your power. And we pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, thank you for watching again. Once again, um, I'm Pastor Nelson Isley at Tower View Baptist Church. And this is your weekly Sunday school lesson. So if you find, want to find out more about us, check out our website at towerviewkc.com. Check out, call our phone number, 816-368-1330. You can call that. You can leave a message there. You can text that line. Um, if you go to our website, there's a way to send us a message. You can do the same thing on Facebook, where our, um, more likely where you're watching this video, our Facebook page. So we're in Kansas City, Missouri. I don't know if I said that before. Um, right next to the big, colorful water tower that's across the interstate from a, a roller coaster and water park who shall remain nameless at their request. And um, and so church this morning is at 1030, normal services. We will have the Lord's Supper today at the end of the service. Um, the radio transmitter is still on, 90.7. You can listen from your car uh, for another week or so. Um, we pray that you, you will come out and worship the Lord with your brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray that you'll come out and seek God if you've never turned your life over to God. Come and seek who God is. Come and find some godly discipleship. 
Uh, let's see here. Who else has been watching today? Uh, scroll, scroll, scroll. Jeannie, thank you for watching. Judy, again, thank you. Norma, thank you for watching today. And, and all the, and everybody who has been watching, we thank you. I know there's others out there. Some will watch this as a recording later on. Um, but we thank you for watching this. this. Like I said, Tower View Baptist Church, Kansas City, Missouri. If you want to try to find us, you want to plug it into your G, your GPS. We're at 7301 Northeast 50th Street. It's at the corner of, of Northeast 50th Street and Randolph Road. Um, take the 48th Street exit off Interstate 435. Over on the on the east side of Kansas City, just just north of the Missouri River. You got to fight through the construction zone, depending on which way you're coming from. So thank you for watching and listening today. God bless, and I pray to see you later at church.